Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money in the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. An escalation of the Israel-Gaza war into a broader conflict could deliver another shock to world growth and halt disinflationary forces in their tracks. Market reaction, though, has been modest so far, but that could change, according to experts. So what are some of the near- and long-term effects we should be looking out for? What assets would be at most risk if the conflict further escalates? Well, joining us on the phone to tell us more is Rajat Bhattacharya, who is a senior investment strategist at Standard Chartered. Rajat, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon to you too. Rajat, you know, it looks like markets did start off this week pricing in the relatively benign scenario on the ongoing Israel-Hamas conflict. It now seems a bit modest um, in terms of the market reaction to the conflict. But what are some of the near-term effects of the conflict on markets? Hi, that's correct. Reaction so far has been very limited, actually. Mm. But obviously, the link from what is going on in the Middle East is to the markets is through oil. And if you've seen what how oil has behaved, oil has risen somewhat, but they're still below the highs of September. So what that tells us is that the markets are expecting uh, this to be contained, this uh, unrest that is going on to be contained within Israel and Gaza. Mm-hmm. As we know, a lot of these policy, you know, policymakers and diplomats and world leaders are trying to contain and limit the downside from, from this and prevent it from escalating. Mm-hmm. So that's what is where we are today. Are there any long-term effects investors should be concerned about, though? Yeah, we should be watching out on, on any escalation and the involvement of other players in mm-hmm. the region. And by that, I really mean Iran. If Iran is drawn in and then there is a supply you know, blockade of oil, let's say from the Middle East, mm-hmm. and oil prices rise, then we should be worried about it. So the, the all eyes are on whether this escalates beyond Israel and Gaza and, and takes into its fold Iran. Barring that, I see limited impact. Also, our research shows that, you know, in the past, these kind of crises in the Middle East did not have a long-lasting impact mm-hmm. on oil prices. So the oil prices probably rose for a few weeks couple of months and then they fall, fell off. The history is pretty sanguine on, on the impact. I mean, in terms of the conflict, we're already seeing a lot of diplomatic efforts to try to calm down these tensions. We've seen U.S. talking to Middle East leaders and even Anthony Blinken is trying to talk to Wang Yi and get China involved to lessen the tensions over there. But, you know, success in the ongoing diplomatic efforts would, of course, limit the impact of the conflict on markets. But, Rajat, let's say we look at the alternative scenario of an escalation in the conflict involving other participants, notably Iran. What assets then would be at most risk? Yes, uh, in that case, uh, the risk assets would be clearly at risk. Uh, by that, I mean you know, equities, high-yielding mm-hmm. bonds. But we really want to you know, focus on, in, in that kind of scenario, our assets like gold, they do well. Uh, in in geopolitic you know uh, in the shocks uh, oil will do well oil related equities so equity you know in the energy sector stocks those would do well 
So there's a clear uh, bifurcation there. Broader risk assets like equities will, will probably likely fall in that scenario. And then the gold energy uh, sector stocks will mm-hmm. do well. Then given that, how should investors mitigate their assets to protect themselves from such a scenario when it happens? Yeah, that's a good question. So our main you know, uh, takeaway from these kind of events is that investors should be broadly diversified. Mm. That's the basic thing. You need to have broad diversification across asset classes. That limits the downside for all investors because these are uncertain times, right? So geopolitical risks are, you know, by definition, uncertain. Mm. Within that, within a broadly diversified scenario, we prefer safe assets such as, you know, developed market government bonds. And by that, I mean U.S. and European government bonds. And gold, as I mentioned, has performed well. They are performing well, by the way, in the in the last two weeks. Gold has done pretty well. And then you, you have... Uh, assets linked to oil. So Mm. energy sector stocks, uh, those would do well. So I would maintain a balanced portfolio. Within that, have some hedges through gold and energy. Okay. And speaking of allocating assets, I mean, at this time of uncertainty, many are, of course, flocking to safe haven assets like gold. So, Rajat, given that the conflict is coming into its third week, is it too late for investors to invest in gold now? Gold uh, is something that is always works as a hedge asset. So okay. it becomes less uh, sensitive to price in that sense. Mm-hmm. It's true that gold prices have risen to close to 2000. There are you know, estimates that if this conflict escalates, we could see 2100 on gold prices. So it's not too expensive. Regardless of that, you should have gold in your portfolio and, and it should take up, you know, anything for, from 3 to 5% of your portfolio. That gives you the hedge. So we look at it in portfolio terms, uh, not so much the price sensitive terms, because gold is one of the best hedges out there in terms of mitigating geopolitical risks. Okay. Should investors be also continuing to hedge against any escalation in the Israel-Gaza conflict by also adding exposure to the energy sector as well? Correct. Yes. Energy sector stocks have also performed well. Apart from gold, Mm. energy sector stocks have performed well. But energy sector stocks are still cheap, which is why we see value there. Okay. Even if conflict does not escalate, energy sector stocks have been trailing the oil prices this year. Mm. And as we know, energy sector stocks earnings depend hugely on oil prices. So there is still some upside left in terms, even if you look at it in value terms. So yeah, we would certainly, that that would be, the energy sector stocks would certainly be one way to hedge even now. What about other assets? What other assets can investors also seek safety in other than gold and the energy sector? So one of the preferences is developed market government bonds. They are safe haven assets. Okay. If this conflict leads to a further downtime in global growth, global growth, as we know, is already, you know, probably slowing. We saw the, the data recently from Europe, from Japan. Growth is slowing. And what that means is that if there's further escalation, oil prices rise, then there could be further slowdown. In those cases, bond yields would fall off. So bonds prices would gain. So bonds offer a good hedge. And then we have broader uh, diversification theme uh, talked about. I think those 
too would uh, provide safer assets. I should also mention uh, currencies like uh, the Swiss franc. Mm. Swiss franc is the ultimate safe haven currency. The Japanese end, I would have said that, but it a lot depends there on the Bank of Japan policies there. So for now, I think one of the safest haven currencies out there uh, is the Swiss franc. Okay, okay. Well, you know, you did mention earlier in our discussion here that equities are considered risk assets. So what about in terms of equities? Should investors, you know, stay away from equities for the time being, given the recent volatility? Yeah, I would uh, say so. I mean, we are neutral on uh, equities in an overall asset allocation framework. And one of the reasons is that we are at the late cycle environment so markets work through cycles and well, we see growth slowing next year because of the impact of uh, high interest rates and so if growth slows corporate earnings slow and as a result equities will struggle to outperform bonds especially given the difference now between bond deals and the dividend yields bond uh, interest rates are so high now they have bonds have t- turned attractive today Mm. Right. So compared with bonds, equities will struggle to outperform. So g- given all of that uh, for scenario, we would n- not add to equities at this at this point, especially given the geopolitical risk. But within equities, we prefer uh, you know markets such as US and Japan. Those two markets have seen pretty uh, resilient economic growth so far, and corporate earnings have been decent. So within equities, we would allocate, prefer these two markets, U.S. and Japan. Okay. Okay. Well, before we let you go here, Rajat, what else should investors be looking out for in the days to come that could move markets? Yes. uh, So a lot depends on how the central banks uh, react to the latest data and also the rise in interest rates. Mm. So we have the European Central Bank policy meeting this week. We have the U.S. Federal Reserve meeting next week. Those two are the key ones. We think the two central banks, two major central banks, are done with rate hikes. So we are not unlikely to see further rate hikes, which is good for bond markets. Right. right? If they stop raising rates, that's positive for bond markets, which is another reason why we prefer bonds at this stage. So watch out for those uh, central bank meetings. And of course, keep a close eye on, on the Middle East. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Rajat, for your time and your insights today. Glad to be here. Thanks. Thank you. We've been speaking with Rajat Patataya, who is a senior investment strategist at Standard Chartered. I'm Hong Bin Jung, and this has been Money and the Market. Stay with Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.